0: Welcome to the Frank's Percussion Podcast. I'm Frank. I had an exceptionally fun time recording this show with Alex Bladesilver. We chat about Mexico, music school, freelance work, and more. Alex shares a particularly funny story about hijinks that unfolded on a gig he took in Washington, D.C. So it was like,
1: there was some shit that went down in this Airbnb while we weren't there.
0: Alex Blade and I recorded all the saxophone and drum duet music you'll hear on this episode. I also include relevant selections from his bands, Flamingos, Civilians, and Thank You Scientists. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Hello. We are live with Alex Blade Silver. Alex, welcome to my place. Thanks for coming. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. Thank you so much. We were just jamming out a little bit. I played some vibraphone and some drums. You played some drums and some saxophone exquisitely on both. Wow. Uh, Having fun. We're going to take a break and do that again in a little bit. Yeah. You were just showing me the last couple of gigs you were at. Mm -hmm. You want to tell me about Mexico with Alex Edge? We love Alex Edge.
1: We do. Yeah, I went to Mexico with DJ Alex Edge who's a good buddy of ours, lives in Brooklyn. It was my first gig, my first wedding gig out of the country. So that was really cool to do that. If you know Alex, you know that he always wants to get the earliest possible flight. So we left New York at 4 a.m. Or I left my apartment at 4 a.m., but I had a gig before in Long Island. And I had that gig ended at 1, so I got home at like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. And then, yeah, no sleep. And then I woke up and then had to finish packing, showered. Went with him to the airport. Wait. Easy flight. You didn't sleep, but you woke up? No, I slept for like an hour. <laughs> I got like an hour and a half of sleep. I
0: know you said I shouldn't touch those the are buttons. My, those are I was going to say, yeah,
1: I knew so you were going to. I know you don't want anyone touching those <laughs> buttons. No, but, good good use of the trombone. <laughs> for once. But uh, yeah, so got like. No sleep, but a little bit of sleep. Got on the flight, went to Mexico. Real smooth. It was this all-inclusive resort, and Alex and I were roomies. And uh, we tipped the woman at the front like 20 bucks to get our room earlier, And we and we think she might have given us an upgrade because we had like a suite. And I'm not sure if they had a suite for us. So we maybe got upgraded, maybe didn't. I don't know. Cool. Alex seems to know a
0: lot of the moves. He's very well-versed in the traveling. He's a good guy to go with. He
1: is. Yeah. He is. He does it right. He's good. <laughs> he has an amazing luggage. He has this away luggage. It's It like, looks like a titanium safe, and uh, it looks like it's indestructible. I loved it because it's kind of sleek and perfect for moving around, and I looked it up because I was in the market for luggages. I was like, okay.
0: If you were traveling a ton.
1: I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go with the Amazon option for now. But anyways, it was just a good time with him over there and stuff. And and then we got the earliest flight back on Sunday. They make you over there leave five hours before your flight because Playa del Carmen is like an hour away from Cancun. And they're like, they don't want to be liable for you missing your flight. Uh, So they're like, if you use their shuttle, you're like, what time should I leave? And they say five hours before. So if your flight's at 8 a.m., they want you to leave at 3 a.m. For a drive that's like 30 minutes, especially at 3 a.m., so, anyways, Alex and I just got, like, our own cab, like, at 5 a.m., and we were still mad early. And that that one sucked, though. Honestly, that one was a brutal wake-up, I felt like. It was just you two guys? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Road trip. Road trip.
0: Yeah. And you felt you played all right?
1: Yeah. Honestly, it was fun, man. You um, said it
0: was like a club.
1: Yeah, like, people were, like, banging the floor, and the energy was just crazy, dude. Like, it felt really, like, everyone was just having such a good time. Okay. Like, it was, you know, when it's so easy to play, like, a gig because you want to be on the dance floor. Like, I had to stop playing because I was just getting way too sweaty and hot and I needed to just chill. So, I do, like, 10 minutes and then take a couple minutes off and then play. But I couldn't, like, do more than that because it was, like, so hot for me to keep playing because everyone was jumping around and stuff. So, it was, like, so much fun. It was in, like, a club, right? No. so it, it was, was it on the beach? It was, like, right off the beach. So, the reception was in this one room that has like these huge open things so you can see right outside and stuff like that. It's basically like half inside, half outside. And then there was like a dance floor that people were on. So yeah, it was just a lot of fun. No, that's a great trip.
0: Going to Mexico. I know that I went with Alex and, and a small group earlier this year in April, I think. And for the most part, it was, it was really a vacation. And then I got to play music and party at, at, at night, like, Yeah, it was as good as a trip like that could possibly be. Right, as fun as I could ever imagine, the most fun I could ever imagine having. It sounds like it was a very similar deal. The only thing that was missing probably was your friend Frank. We we said
1: that. Just kidding. I'm not giving (laughs) you the drum. (laughs) We did say that. that. No, no. Honestly, (laughs) dude, it would have been so much fun if you were there. I think those kind of places, when you're out of the country too, like the more the merrier. You know, it's plus like we basically flew in and then that day we had a pre-party the next day we performed and then left that like next morning so we didn't have that much time to chill but yeah these these gigs are sick fingers
0: crossed we get like 3 Mexico weekends in 2024
1: 2023 and
0: 2024 <laughs> and 20 no. and 6 in
1: 20 yeah who knows what we're going to be in 2024
0: i was actually thinking when we were there because i think it's pretty common for destination weddings to get booked in you know in mexico right and and you'd imagine the real estate there is probably really not very expensive i was thinking like if we put an entertainment group together and rented a house down there and marketed to people coming from you know out of the country Mm -hmm. it could end up be like it could be one of those situations where yeah you're still paying to rent the house but like it's subsidized by the amount of work you're getting because you market with all the hotels or however it works down there mm-hmm. you know Alex does a lot of those gigs right i think at the time he had quoted 60 to me he's like yeah i've done it like 60 times i've done uh, uh, you know these destination weddings yeah and i a mean lot. but for him it's all over the place but if you wanted yeah. to have a spot in mexico yeah market in mexico and you know you just have your own spot it's near the resorts the trouble might be safety i guess cuz mexico is like the wild southwest people yeah. disappear yeah
1: i they do i think
0: i'm sure that they are somewhat invested in keeping the people that work there safe because if they can't keep them if they're if they're working and they can't like keep them you know between at least between work and home if they don't feel safe they won't have people to work those beautiful resorts. Yeah. You know, so there's got to be some spots over there. The photography company that was there, I think they live in Mexico. Oh, yeah? When I was... Yeah, so I'm just putting that out in the Ether podcast. I don't know. I was know. just thinking, man. Half-baked like, idea, but maybe yeah. somebody else was has the other half.
1: Right. You know? Hey, that's why that's why you're doing this thing, right? Putting ideas out there. And
0: putting ideas out there, yeah.
1: Yeah. And getting half-baked.
0: <laughs> and getting yeah. half-baked.
1: Dude, I think... I was thinking about that, too, though, because... I love the beach. I love being near the water. I love the weather out there. So tropical, you know? It's like Miami. It's just, like, warm all the time. And I just love the people, too, man. I love Spanish culture. Um, so I was thinking... It you could speak be Spanish, Alex? A little bit. I mean, it's probably way better than mine. I don't know. I, I can get around pretty well. Right. And You did well at the resort. Yeah, I was holding it down. But also, like... Definitely certain words and stuff and phrases. And I definitely don't know how to like my, my the verbiage and like the grammar aspect of it is pretty horrible, you know, but so if I spent a lot of time in a place like that, though, I think I could pick it up pretty quickly and like get better at it. But yeah, just getting a house out there or something, you know, a property out there would probably be so much cheaper than anything over here. And it could be such a cool spot to have like during the months that things are slow or something. Potentially. Yeah.
0: Well, you know part of the deal right is that you got like room board and food for free mm-hmm. that would be i think that was the uh, another thought that I had with like if you get your own house, now you no longer have to ask the couple to put you up mm-hmm. it It brings your price down, right, but you still have to like you could kind of split the difference in your price. Between being put up in an all expense paid hotel and, you know, and having your own place. Because it's still an expense to have your own place. Like that's the, you follow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh-huh. there's a lot of math. I just think it's funny. The instinct when you're there and you're doing it is how do how do I make
1: this happen all the time? Is that how you felt? Yeah. yeah Dude, that's, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> I was like, wait, if I could do this once, I could do this all the time. Right. So what do I need to do? <laughs> it's funny that you thought that too, man.
2: Funny, <laughs> <laughs> <A break>. funny. <laughs> it's really funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it is interesting that you had that thought too. Because, and I was talking with Alex on our way back. I was like, "Bro, like, how do we do this shit all the time?" Because it's just like, I think everybody has that
0: thought when they're on probably
1: when they're on paradise when vacation, you're on beach and yeah, yeah it's <laughs> you're probably right, man. You know, I think the way to do it a lot, too, is to to do it more regularly is if you get really strong at social media and you build up a good fan base there and then people just reach out to you directly and pay whatever you want, I guess, you know.
0: Yeah, get famous. That's get, the answer. Get rich or famous. Damn, that that is the answer. <laughs> That's the answer to all our problems. So simple. So I uh, think I'm almost certain it was an Alex Edge gig that we met on. Do you remember?
1: Hmm. No. Wait, which one? Which one are you talking about? The first
0: time we, we met, how did we connect?
1: Bro, I don't remember. Oh, I do remember now. Oh, good. It was Irina. It was Irina. It was at a hall in Long Island. No, it was in Brooklyn. It was at the place that's the Metropolitan Ballroom.
0: Metropolitan ball that long arch hallway yes it's a hall but it's long arch
1: dance hall like the stage like they have a stage already set up kind of thing and it's a huge hall it used to be called something else right like it's a really popular spot we were like taking pictures on the outside like we all took pictures together yes 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 that was the first time i met you was it yeah but like it was funny because you'd already been like because I've been working with arena pretty regularly, I think. But I had never met you. But you'd also been working. Maybe you just recently started working with her more or something like that at that point. I'm not sure, actually. But I knew we hadn't met before. But I was like, who is this guy? Because you brought out all the jackets and the sunglasses. <laughs> you. you know? And I was just like, "What is, what is like This guy's really taking to the next level. And um, you. you brought the djembe and everything and you're playing in the crowd. And I think you might have gone through my legs or something, but we didn't really know each other that well. I didn't start
0: going through your legs until you bought me dinner. <laughs> it was yeah. a while, but yeah, we definitely, I, I, I mean, I feel like we've had a good performance chemistry together. Mm hmm. For as long as we've been doing it. I just didn't remember exactly. I know exact. I have the pictures that, we, you know that which, we took together. Now you know which place it is. Yeah. Or that, that's, that was, that's where I met you. For a while, I used one on like my dating profiles. Oh, okay. <laughs> with everyone in it? Yeah, with everyone in it. Oh, it makes okay. it look like I have friends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> They're just people you work with. <laughs> <laughs> They're your coworkers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. so I met you for the first time. I was like, Dandy, this guy's really like, this is how you do it. Can I explain where that
0: k- stuff came from quickly? Yeah, please. I feel like the most awkward thing, I, I, I think you've expressed this to me too, but like sometimes working the crowd is uncomfortable for us. Because mm-hmm. we're at their party. We're not necessarily in their party mm-hmm. is the way I've reasoned it anyway. And one day, it was actually a saxophone player, I noticed, was wearing sunglasses. His name is Marino.
1: Okay, um, yeah. I don't know if you guys know him. I don't know that. him, but, actually, but I've heard of him, because I think I might have even got him on a gig one time, but just through a friend. Okay. I know he does a bunch of stuff.
0: Yeah, Long he's Island. around Long Island stuff. So. Yeah. And I noticed he was wearing sunglasses, and I realized, like, oh, that kind of gives you, like, the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And then I like started I was working around the city and I started finding these funky sunglasses and I had this sun I started, all of a sudden I'm changing my sunglasses you know. Through, yeah. And they're giving character to like the songs. I had some yeah. like kind of gangster sunglasses, I had some like uh, hearts and like yeah. some like more effeminate ones and some ones that were real cool 80s looking. And then the jacket happened by chance. I just was it was New Year's. It was no, sorry, it was Black Friday. Okay. And we see these jackets in Macy's. They're like a New Year's Eve style jacket. Mm-hmm. And we put them on. We were wearing them in the store for like an hour just kind of standing around. And I'm thinking, should I buy this or not? Right. And uh, that's the short story. Which jacket was that one? The really colorful one. What <laughs> is it? Like red, white, and blue? It's like Gucci. No, yeah. Is it? It's not Gucci, but it it's got yeah, it's, the it's green, got green and a red, red stripe, which is yeah. like Gucci. Yeah. And it's got blue and gold. Yeah. But, you know.
1: That's, yeah, that's, you're right. It is an interesting thing to be like, I'm at this party. That's, that's why Mexico is so fun. Cause it was like, well, you know, we did a pre-party, right? right. which you did last time. Yeah. 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 And the pre-party just kind of breaks the ice because the vibes are a little bit more chill and then they get to know you a little bit by the end of the pre-party, you're kind of friends, just like we are kind of like that at the end of a regular party. But then the next day you see them for the party and it's already like, Hey, you're the sax guy. Yeah. Like we we're seeing each other around the hotel and they would just be like, sax guy, DJ. Oh, nice. You know? And so it's like, by the time the real party came, everyone's kind of cool with each other. So I feel like at a regular party here for the gigs, you're right. It's always kind of, every party's different. Some people like are like, oh, I love the sax. I love you. Like, this is awesome. And then some places are kind of like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be there or something. Or it's like annoying. Sometimes it can feel like that, right? And so you have to just work through that and like, just try and like be empathetic to the situation. Just be mindful of it. Every party's different. And yeah, I think, I mean, you know, you just get better the more you do it, right? I just try
0: and get crazier the more I do it.
1: Like, how crazy can I go? I love that about you. Yeah, too crazy. (laughs) I think that's why we work together so well, too, I think, because it's like, I just know how crazy you can get recently
0: i like hit you in the face or caused you to hit yourself in the face
1: yeah dude i was on my phone taking a video of you because you were spinning around the dance floor and then i like look up from my phone and then you're already going underneath me and i was like no 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 and you're like running underneath my legs and then you're you're the djembe hit my sacks and then like hit my tooth
0: the second part of the debacle the first part was for some reason i went to grab your cheeks i went to grab your cheeks and you were like no don't touch my face and like i think your sacks popped you as well yeah we're, we're just some wild and crazy guys anyway we're here in my apartment we're here in the apartment. We're here in like my Frank, apartment. Frank's house. Where, like I said, we just jammed with some vibes, some saxophone, some drums. I have that stuff here. And I have my little portable podcast set up here. Yeah, um, it looks great. You have whiskey here. Yeah. You a uh, great pad. Thank you. And then, uh, Alex, you came here to do this today as opposed to me coming to you in Brooklyn. Because after we go... After we, like... You know, wrap up, and we do a little jamming, a little more talking. You have a showcase up in Glen Cove on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me yesterday that's like with a kind of a family-run band?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gordon Duke's band. Gordon yeah. Duke's band. Yeah, the name is Best Wedding Band. Best Wedding Band. I like it. Yeah. And you have gigged with them before, or like, no? Yeah, I have, yeah. I've been working with them for like a few years now years maybe five years and like i said it's run by gordon dukes he's the leader of the band his wife donna helps with the management of the band his son dylan helps with the sound his daughters gabby and alex are singers in the band and it's just a really fun project with people that are close with each other and stuff like that it's a good hang you know it's kind of like a family band vibe and gordon's just a badass musician he's produced a lot of hits what's he songs he's a singer He's a singer. And he'll like throw on some effects on some of his songs, like some vocal effects and do different harmonies during this, during the show, during the night or whatever, you know, Okay. during the wedding. He, he gets pretty crazy with it. And to good effect, do you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool when he does it. Okay. Yeah. So a bunch of
0: wedding music tonight you're going to play for now. I might hang yeah. out if that yeah. ends, if that you is should. okay. Yeah. Like it's a showcase, like I could watch, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing a black shirt. Blend. Cool.
0: Should I? I could. I'm saying, like, go as like a like a guest of the show. I might yeah, have to I'm pay curious. to get in.
1: I wonder what the vibe is like because I don't know why we have to wear a suit for this. Because sometimes for the showcases we just have to wear like a just a long sleeve or something. Just wear all black, you know. But we had to we have we had to wear a suit today, so I'm not sure what that means necessarily. They'll try and book you in a suit. Yeah, they like the suit look.
0: So you play with them for like five years. You've been playing with Irina's band too. And like the Irina Alex duo thing. Who else do you play with?
1: I play with a lot of people in one off things, like a Artists, which is a bigger organization. I play with this DJ, Martin Day Arch, who I'm going to go to Cartagena, Colombia with for New Year's Eve.
0: You're going to Colombia to yeah. play New Year's Eve?
1: Yeah, with him. He's a DJ.
0: Oh, so you do have multiple. Out-of-country out of gigs lined up. This is awesome. Congratulations.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited, obviously. Just going to be fun. I'm excited. And then we play with Larkfield Music Group sometimes. Frank. Frank. Love yeah. Frank. I mean, just so many random people, too. So I recently started playing some Indian Weddings, too. I got connected to this guy, Neil, through Jimmy Lopez, who's a percussionist that I love a lot as well. You know Jimmy.
0: I do know Jimmy. Jimmy's my good friend. I may go down to Nashville to record one of these podcasts with Jimmy.
1: That would be sweet. Right? I mean, I've
0: been meaning to visit him anyway. I spoke to him on the phone a couple weeks ago. And who did you say he connected you with?
1: This guy, Neil, who is, I guess he does like a lot of high-end Indian weddings and helps put the event together, does a lot of the music for that Okay. The production, right? So the sound, the lights, all that kind of stuff. So he connected me with him and he's connected me with, Or he's got me in a couple of different parties, Indian weddings and stuff like that. And those have been really fun, partly because I just love Indian food. And usually the dinners have just been like a buffet style Indian situation. So I just come back for the last set, just completely stuffed, like really not able to move at all. (laughs) (laughs) just disgustingly full. But, and then through that, I met this guy in the hall a few, like last, last week, who's an incredible tablet player as well as the doll drums he's he's sick so i just met him and then he invited me to his 25th birthday that was just a few days ago pretty lit a lot of other people there that are in that community but yeah as far as weddings just freelance and stuff like that you know just kind of whoever calls yeah i mean
0: you just took us through like a major network major line of networking that was cool jimmy to neil to nahal yeah. And now you're playing another birthday. You were showing me oh, a video. Was, that
1: was his birthday. Yeah. Nahal's birthday. Oh, okay. It was like he just he invited me to come through and to jam, basically. And it would be a good time to, or be a good opportunity to kind of like show people that I haven't met. That's a whole new community, like for what sure. I do. Um, and Neil manages him. And they work together on this. Nahal has his own company at already age of 25 called NSL, where they contract a lot of musicians for different events. So he's killing it. He he has like a really big fan base on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. He said he like had some videos go viral over COVID. That dude's traveling a bunch. Cool. But and he was playing tubla and... Yeah. And, and the doll. Doll. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what instrument? That's like, it's like I, the two-sided drum. You wear it. Yes. You hit it with
0: kind of a curved stick.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Big one.
0: Big sound. Big bass drum sound out of it. hmm yeah, 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 yeah. And kind of like a fat like snare almost too. Um, I think it's featured in that one really, really popular Bollywood sounding tune that they play at all the weddings.
1: I I'll yeah, picture it but the it's one that like Jay Z sampled.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's such a cool track. But besides that stuff, I do a lot of other gigs with like original bands. Yes. Um, and that's where a lot of my passion lies as well. So uh, I went to school for music at the new school where I met basically all right. I just met a lot of my best friends, and uh, I started a band over there when I was at school like nine years ago, called Civilians, with a lot of my friends, and we still are. We still have that project. We released an album a couple months ago. Okay. Of original music.
0: Hang on, hang on. How did you start Civilians?
1: At new school, you're put into an ensemble every semester, and after the first semester there, you. You get to build your ensemble. So you get to pick who you want in that group. So you basically get a form and you get everyone you want in that. They sign on this form and then you get to ask any of the people that are employed at New School, any of the teachers, you ask them if you want them to be your instructor. And if they're down, then you get them to sign. And now you just built a band for that semester.
0: Okay. That's awesome. It's sounds that's, very new school.
1: That's pretty, yeah, it was pretty sick, dude. Cause it was like, we just, I got asked by Tom McCaffrey, who's one of my best friends, who's an incredible guitar player and engineer, recording engineer. He has a sick studio at his place. That's where we recorded the album, the civilians albums in his basement. He has a six studio and he mixed our whole album too and produced it. He basically asked me to join this band with him and Joe Galachi on Trumpet, who's one of our best friends who plays in Thank You Scientist with me. And Jonas Lemitinen on Trombone, who's also one of my best friends, and we play in Flamingo's together. Josh Plath on drums playing Flamingo together, best friend. And then Osei, who's the bass player, he didn't join the band until after, so we had like five or six bass players. But anyways. All of Flamingo's at New School with you? Yeah, so then Flamingo's was formed with three of the guys in civilians plus Manny on Barry. So then and that's because Jonas and Manny were in this other Busking Brass Band 2. Yeah, I had. when I was younger, I was, I think I might have been just getting into college first year. Maybe I was senior in high school or something. But back in Dallas, I had, there was like this artist flea market that was happening like every Saturday and Sunday. And a buddy of mine who plays drums had a connection with the person that was putting it on. And he got like bands booked there like two times a, a weekend, basically. And it was a sick gig. The pay was pretty good. I think maybe it was like 100, 150 a person, which for me at that time was awesome. Oh, in college. Yeah.
0: You're like, I'm doing the experience thing. And like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and then we would just call like some really good local Dallas musicians that are incredible to play with us. So it was a lot of fun. But I did like two or three gigs there. And I got paid for the first couple, but then there were like two or three that I didn't get paid for that like the check just bounced. And then I was just not able to. The check bounced? Yeah. Like he paid me for like two or three on one check, you know? So maybe four or 500 bucks and it just bounced. And you know, yeah. So I was like, okay, interesting. My buddy, I guess, what happened to him? Did you ask him about it? Did you talk to the guy about it? The guy like kind of disappeared. He was like nowhere to be found. I guess my buddy was able to find him and track him down and get his money, but I never got. I never saw those those Uh, hundred bucks. Sings a little. Honestly, it doesn't. No. Honestly, no. I'm honestly like, I mean, it kind of sucks. This is a crazier story. I did this gig. In D.C. with some really good buddies of mine. Connell Thompson, sax player extraordinaire, who's a good friend. Ben Seacrest, trumpet player who I love. And then Jonas as well was on the gig. So we all four drive. I rent the car. I rented a charger. I went to the place and we rented a car and they gave me a charger. No, a Dodge Challenger. Oh. And I was oh, like, cool. sick. Because yeah. there's like four of us dudes, like we pull up and it's like, you have a fucking Challenger and we're going to D.C. for a gig. So... Did you, wait from here. From, You're here. Driving from here. From here. Oh, to that's DC. a sweet
0: ride down. Yeah, cool.
1: So this dude, um, I don't know if I should say his name, but I won't because he he paid me eventually. So he he plays the uh, talking drum. So it was this Niger- yeah, yeah. it was this Nigerian band, and it was like his album release show or something like that. So we drive down. He's I think the pay was like pretty low, but it was about to hang. But I think he was going to pay me for the rental car and all those expenses, right? Okay, but it was like good buds we're just driving to dc we're gonna do this gig he got us an airbnb that we chilled at he
0: wasn't in the car he was in dc
1: yeah his okay. whole band was in dc we were just the only people from the city okay that he wanted and so we go there and we arrive a day early because there was a rehearsal so we're running a little late to the rehearsal but we pull up and rehearsal's kind of fine we have like uh, we kind of fucked up a little bit but it's like all right we got to like practice before the gig you know he gives us uh, rehearsal
2: 20... that's yeah yeah
1: he gives us 20 bucks per diem each we're like oh that's what's up you know cool didn't really expect that. Okay, we well, cool. We go to Airbnb. It's kind of a weird Airbnb. It's like a bottom floor of like a family that's living upstairs. So like we could hear the kids and stuff going around, which is fine. It's just like you get like four dudes the musicians like in this bottom floor of like a family. It's just like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It, was, yeah. it felt a little like, kind of weird, but. Sometimes that's what you get with Airbnb, though, so, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. you don't really know the situation, yeah. honestly. And it was a comfortable spot, honestly. There was like a lot of rooms. I think we all had our own bed. So a lot of fun.
0: times you look out, but sometimes there's a family upstairs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you never know, dude. Our Airbnb has a family upstairs. We're like, all right, no problem, whatever, dude. So we we're chilling in DC that night. We have a good night. We So DC is like, there's a bunch of Ethiopian people that live there. And so they have incredible Ethiopian food.
0: There's a bunch of Ethiopian, pe- Ethiopian I think it's like people the in one DC? place.
1: I think it's like the most populated place in america for, for people i had no Ethiopia. idea that's amazing so there's an insane amount of ethiopian food and it's incredible out there and i have a really good friend actually my brother's best friend from dallas he's like a little younger than me but he lives in dc because he was or is in the army starting to be a doctor a surgeon for them and he's ethiopian so he like takes t- takes us to a couple spots or whatever and uh, we end up getting this like 120 twenty dollar platter of ethiopian food that's like it would feed a bear and we take it back to the hotel or the Airbnb and we get like a couple bottles and we just drink that and eat that and it was it was so fun bro. And great night, right? So the next day is the gig. Wake up and they say that we have to get to the gig at like noon to sound check. But the gig will start at 6 or something like that. Let's say it's like an early start. Maybe it was 2. Can just I just say, say, it's say uh bro, let's just say it's 2, right? Yeah. I was like, "All right, so we pull up at that time. And the staff is like, oh, we're not really open. Uh Okay. So eventually we come back an hour later. And they're like, yeah, you can put yourself in the green room. Where's the rest of the guys? And I'm like, I don't know. They're supposed to be here. They're like, okay. So it's like, what the fuck? The rest of the guys is in. As in the band. As in like only the horns. Only us four guys. You four guys are there. Are there. And no one else is there. But the band. And the, and then by like
0: the band leader, this guy who kind of plays the talking drum.
1: Yeah. And who's things. paying
0: you and told you to be there really early. Yes. It's He's not, nowhere no one's to be to
1: found. Be, to be found. So we're in like downtown DC. Uh, so what, what do we do? We get some like lime scooters and we just fucking go around like the Capitol building. And that was kind of fun. Awesome. But we had to kept coming back because we're like, maybe they're there. We came back like four or five times and no one's fucking there. And it's like five or six PM and still no one's there. And we're like, what the fuck? This is some bullshit. Do you, when's the gig supposed to start? Do you remember? Like eight okay. or nine. It's, it's not that we didn't have time, it's just that we got there so early, dude. And we're only in D.C. for a couple of days, and we spent, like, half of the day, if not more, just basically trying to wait for these dudes to show up and soundcheck. Eventually, they show up, and it's just, like, the most, what's it called, disorganized kind of soundcheck. People are, new people are added to the band that weren't there at the rehearsal. People are trying out sounds, like, the keyboard's not really working. The sound people are freaking out. No one told them that there were going to be this many people. Me and the horn players are sharing mics. Nah. Uh, anyways, you know, the gig happens... I think we start late. The turnout is not what the guy expected. So, we get back home. Okay, and then what was fucking weird, we go out that night, we party, the speakeasy, and then we go back to the Airbnb, and we found, like, underwear in the Airbnb of, like, a chick. And we had no idea whose it was. And what we think happened is, we think the band leader came back to our Airbnb with, like, his brother and, like, some chicks or something oh also also this dude has a roadie right the guy that plays a talking drum he has like a roadie but, for his talking drum or something like a okay. helper roadie, yeah like an assistant
0: maybe an He's assistant band leader
1: yeah kind of something you know what i mean okay because the talking drum is a one man i know but it was like he He's was got there the drum the he stick, was... and a
0: strap like yeah. you don't
1: even really need a case no, you really don't. You could just pull up with that thing in like yeah. a duffel bag or something. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Or a uh, Trader Joe's bag or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't
0: need a roadie for that.
1: So, but he but was like not, an ass- a he was he's like an assistant. Guy. But what did he do with that guy? He put that guy in our Airbnb. So like this dude that we never met, we just like he's just in our Airbnb now with <laughs> us, and we're just like sleeping together. Okay. Thank God he was actually cool as fuck, and we all we all got along really well. But it was just kind of like. Dang, you're not gonna even like tell us. You know what I mean? Oh,
0: absolutely. So, yeah, sketch.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, we get back to the airport. If you're
0: not gonna tell me that, why should I treat this guy like he's, like, he could be hostile? I don't know the guy. He could be stealing my shit.
1: And he was like a younger kind of kid or something. So, we were kind of like a little bit older and we're kind of like, but he ended up being real chill. Okay. And funny. And we all got along, you know? But it was, it was kind of, that was like a weird first thing. But, anyways. We're like, dude, this he, guy he, definitely has... Did he bring
0: the weed? Because, like, I think oh, he, this guy brought the weed. I think so he, he did so have he's good. some weed. So he's I'm good. not
1: sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> he would never steal from us if he brought the weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What are you going to contribute to this hangman?
0: Exactly. Yeah, like... He pulls out, like, a Ziploc bag.
1: You're not sleeping here, and then he pulls out the weed. All right, find yourself a bed. <laughs> you get this bed. You get the nicest bed we have. <laughs> dude. Anyways, this is the story's going on for a long time. We get we get to the Airbnb. We, there's, panties, there's panties. The there's panties. There's a there's a chair that's facing not the way not the way we left it and then there's a mirror facing that chair. So it was like there was some shit that went down in this Airbnb while we weren't there. All of our equipment, we have our computers, we have all of our shit at the Airbnb. Sketch. So we we're like who was in our fucking Airbnb? And then it, we found out later that it was him. He said he brought some chicks over there him and his brother.
0: He's a Casanova. This talking drum playing.
1: Yeah, I was just like, okay. Band leader like guy. just not just no communication, right?
0: Is he like tall, dark and handsome? Is he really good looking? I don't think he's incredibly great looking, no. But he plays the talking drum and chicks love Yeah, I mean, the he's not a bad looking drum. dude.
1: He's a he's a good looking guy.
0: When did you get back to the Airbnb? Was it after the performance?
1: Yeah, after the performance, after the performance, after we went to the club, after all that. Oh. And we think that he literally went there While we went to soundcheck, he, we think that he told us to go early to soundcheck so that he can bring a girl to the Airbnb. Oh, because that's the only time that would have been able to happen. Was he married? I don't think so. No, I don't think so.
0: But maybe he had a live-in girlfriend or lived with his parents or
1: something. Yeah, I, I don't know. But isn't that's like fucked? So it is. It is fucked. I mean, I guess it's good the guy got it, but it was like, all right. So, anyways. Dude, the next day, we wake up, and we're like, all right, let's get out of D.C. Let's get back to New York. So we get back to New York.
0: What was the pay, what was the pay situation or talk about getting paid?
1: So we're all just going to get paid after the gig, right?
0: You're going to go home and get venmo or something?
1: Well, I think we, we, we were like, hey, bro, what's up with the payment? He was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get you guys. I got to just round out all the money, but I'm going to get you guys in the next couple days, you know? You did talk to him about it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't quite remember what we said, but it was like, I'm going to pay you guys soon. And we get back to town and he's just like yeah there's he's just not paying he's like dude we didn't sell as much as we thought we were gonna sell i'm in the hole i'll have to pay everyone i'll get to you i'm gonna get to you real soon i promise i'm gonna have the money in the next month or so i'm gonna take extra shifts for uber to pay you guys or whatever it was and you know long story short i got paid this september and this gig was like three years ago
0: was a, I, I loved i loved the story anyway
1: bro that shit is so funny when i think about that that dude like because i talk about it with the guys too and just like taking three years to pay but still paying <laughs> it's like it's like it's like cool it's like i guess we're cool but it's gonna take a lot for me to do a gig with you i'm gonna have to get i'm gonna have to get paid a month before the
0: gig I just think key points, you could put that together and write like a a 10, 15 minute screenplay Mm -hmm. where the guys come down from New York, Mm -hmm. stay in a place, leave hella early, get to the new place, get to the gig spot. Where is everybody? And then like, you know, unbeknownst to you, this guy is having a time with a girl where you were staying and you go out on scooters.
1: Yeah, we're just like riding around, like trying to make the (laughs) most of our time, going to this market, really enjoying the city in a certain (laughs) respect. And this guy's (laughs) enjoying... Scooters, you come back, play the gig,
0: it's terrible, because there's
1: twice as many people there as as the rehearsal. The gig gig was... And then there's just not... And then this is a big place, and it's just not that filled. And it's clear that there's not that many people there. And you just think, how is this guy going to break even? And then you realize he's not... And you realize that means you're not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> and in
0: his mind, he's like, well, I have to do the gig to get the guys paid.
1: Yeah. And so there's like this catch 22. You know, he's just like, "It's it was the booking agent. They said that we were going to get this and they promised me this. And it was this person's fault and it was this person's fault. Instead of just being like, dude, I fucked up. I shouldn't have had you guys come down. You know, like. You have to have, you already have to have that money in your account kind of like yeah. ready to, if shift. you're
0: going to be a band leader, I know you've done some booking up. you've told me about it.
1: You've gotten me some work here and there once or twice for you with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know that like making a recommendation is a trip in itself. You got to really know the guy shows up and does the thing well. And if, you know, you make a recommendation, if it's a bad recommendation, my father used to say this all the time, you can't recommend anybody. Mm. They're not going to do it the way you would do it. Or, or if it's something different than you would do, and yeah. now you both look like idiots. Yeah. Um, so if you're, but if you're booking a band, you know, there's a lot of tr- people you have to trust, but I do think you'd have to have that money set aside.
1: At least uh, half. Yeah. Or, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Every situation is different, you know, but there's a lot of upside when you have a band. When you're a band leader, there's downside. Like the upside is if you tell everyone you're making three hundred dollars, and then there's four of them, and you pay them twelve hundred, but you end up making two thousand on the gig. Now you got yourself a little extra, right? But the downside is if you make a thousand on the gig, and now you're in the hole a little bit, right? But it's not. It doesn't matter. It's not their fault. You are.
0: That's true. You it, came and you did the job, but you know, like, I mean, just picture as we grow into this, like, as we grow into this industry. You know, there's going to be a first time you run a band for somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm empathetic to, like, you're taking a big risk the first time you go out and do it. And then the second time you go out and do it, it's, you know, like your first gig. Do you remember your first gig ever, period? Kind like of, I guess. Wedding I mean, wait, or jazz or paid. solo. Something pa- that's paid. Just, just your first gig with your saxophone.
1: Where I got paid. Yeah. Man, I if I do? There's a lot of... Almost first. Maybe those are the firsts. I want to say my first paid gig was with my dad playing piano. Oh, your dad is a musician. That's right. Yeah. He plays piano and sax. He plays. He's a sax player. He also plays piano. And we used to do some gigs and stuff together. And I want to say that that would be like one of my first gigs that would have been paid is with him, probably. I'm trying to remember exactly when. My first time being like a band leader, I remember that kind of. I was playing at this Brazilian steakhouse in Dallas. That was a sick gig, dude. Every Sunday, going to this Brazilian steakhouse. Have you been to Brazilian steakhouse where you get like all these different cuts of meats and they come around and you like they like s- slice it right in front of you, kind of thing.
0: Like a chudashgada. Yeah. Like A baiada. Yes,
1: exactly. Yes. So that was that's that was like my first.
0: Actually, Mineola, where we are now, yeah, is a very Portuguese town. Wow. Ah. And the Brazilians speak Portuguese, and I guess they share a lot of culture for that reason. I'm not sure yeah. what the connection is, to be honest. But I think Portuguese conquered Brazil, and then they gave it back. That makes sense to me. I'm a terrible, terrible historian. but Yeah, I'm pretty bad, too. I mean, you know more than I do. So there's a bunch of Portuguese barbecue
1: around here where they do the... Dude, I love that shit. And then they, have, they all have a salad bar, too. <laughs> oh, do they? Like fat salad bars. We don't have salad bars. You sure? Yeah, they give you salad. Have you ever been to Fogo de Chao? Yeah, there's a Fogo to Chow over here too. So it's like that vibe where you okay. have like this big salad bar and then you also have all these cuts of meats. And it was it was a sick gig, bro. Every Sunday, like three hours. And it was like me and homies over there. And that was, that was so much fun. And you were running the band there? It was like me and the guitar player. It was kind of like all of us. There was like a core quartet. A core quartet. But then some people would sub out. And I was there almost every single week. So I was rarely subbing out. So then I would find other musicians. And then the guitar player was a year older than us, or than me and the bass player, so he was going to UNC, which is University of North Texas, which is a really good music school. This
0: is when you were in Texas? Yeah.
1: This okay. is when I was in Dallas. So okay. I was in high school. And he, so he was already going to UNT. Oh, so you were gigging in high school? Yeah. You're
0: next level, man. That's not, incredible. Not really. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. If I had two gigs in high school, it was a lot. And it would have just been on like drum set or
1: something. I went to an arts magnet high school in Dallas called Booker T. Washington, where like Roy Hargrove, Nora Jones, Erica Badu, a lot of the people in Ghost Note and Snarky Puppy. Wow. Um, It's like a very, I don't know, it was a fucking dope school. It was like such a crazy vibe. It's an arts magnet, so there were like four clusters, music, theater, dance, and visual art. There was no football team, no sports. Oh, cool. It was just like straight arts, dude. It was just like. The most, I don't know, the, the vibes in there were immaculate. Like it was just so freeing kind of, you know, it felt really good. So anyways, there are so many great musicians at that high school. So we all were playing together all, every single day, playing music together. So I was gigging a lot in high school. Yeah. Second half of high school, I guess. Okay. I mean, you had your
0: basic four, your your core four subjects, your math,
1: science, history, yeah, yeah. English. So you still had all your regular academic classes, but you had a lot of electives. So I, like, did Latin American ensemble. I did R&B ensemble. I did, like, MIDI ensemble, which is, like, funk. I did jazz combo every year. We had band. You, know, you-, you had African drum ensemble. Uh, you had vocal, like, group, like, a cappella group. This yeah. is all during the school day or is yeah, it, like, is after all, school? This so. is all during the school day. Wow. So the ba- it was cool because they did... I forget what it's... Oh, they had flex scheduling. So instead of, like, seven classes or whatever normal schools do you have nine classes, and you would alternate them every other day. Except for your flex class, you would have every day. So it's basically like you have nine classes, and you have them every two days. And they're longer than if you have seven classes in one day. So basically, one class you have every single day, no matter what. Okay. On both schedules, A and B. And that was my jazz class, jazz combo. Uh, So every single day we were meeting up. Every day you're having jazz for lunch. Yes,
0: Jazz sandwich. And, and most days you're like, we're not going to eat. We're just going to keep
1: Jam. playing
0: jazz.
1: Exactly. No, you ate. I ate like 12 lunches, dude. My mom would pack me a lunch. I would eat that at 7 a.m. when I got to school. And then I would buy two lunches every day. For real? Yeah.
0: You're a hungry ate boy? A lot.
1: A lot. Wow. I would eat, yeah, two lunches every single day, pretty much. But yeah, so, dude, that school really exposed me to everything, honestly that and my dad and I mean my dad's musician friends really just exposed me to everything you know I mean without the without that program and everything I wouldn't be nearly where I am today it was an incredible place that's a cool
0: sort of lineage you're describing too like your dad is a professional musician you're now a professional musician was your grandfather a professional musician Mm -mm. okay but um it's it's just a cool connection overall and a cool it's a very cool history like To me, I don't know. I don't know of any high school program except for maybe BOCES here in New York. LaGuardia? Maybe. Have you heard of LaGuardia? Do they put music music and arts at the center of their curriculum like your high school did?
1: Yeah, so that's like another arts magnet. So there's like seven of them in the country that are connected. And I think what that means is that it's focused on certain curriculums. Yeah. And so it's an arts magnet. I had no idea. LaGuardia is that? Yeah, LaGuardia is that. Is, is LaGuardia, LaGuardia it's LaGuardia Brooklyn. High School for the Arts. Hang on.
0: Do you mind helicopter? We're trying to have a podcast here.
1: Helicopters, man. What is this?
2: Helicopter! Helicopter!
1: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah Frank. No, uh, yeah, Frank. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, Frank. Okay. What's that movie with J-Lo in it? You know that one? No, I don't. Oh my god. It's based off of LaGuardia, though. Because I think she went there, too. But anyways, it's an incredi- it was an incredible high school experience, bro. Like, I'm glad. Man, I, I'm jealous. Man. Truly. How dare you have a better high school experience than me? So the music program was, like, decent at your high school?
0: At my high school, we were going through some music directors when I was in high school. Some band directors. Yeah. I had one guy for two years. Everybody loved him. He was also running the marching band. Okay. Then he was a bit... Word on the street was that he had forged some ed certifications, like some education certifications. Okay. And
1: he had to like move. You know, man, they should have just let him be. He just wanted to be a band director. Right. And everybody loved him. And then
0: the next guy, everybody hated for some reason. He was more of a percussionist and people just did not like this guy. And he was like an all right guy. Yeah. He he wasn't a bad guy, but the kids just revolted a bunch of people quit the band it was dramatic and stupid Shit. and then there was a fourth a third guy and then he chanted, And he was there for a couple of years and then left too but um yeah i i did i did pretty well in band i took music theory in high school the music theory teacher was the choir director as well meg messina she was great was there a jazz band at your school yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in jazz band too. Okay, cool. Playing drum set. We had a really great drum set player when I was a freshman. He was a senior. Oh, his cool. name was Danny Akinto. I don't think he's still playing at all. Okay, but through music theory, and then like she convinced me to join the chorus, as well as doing band, mm-hmm. and then like she convinced me to join a cappella, too. And I was like, I don't sing. And she was like, No, you you beatbox. You sing. You're a drummer. You beatbox. You sing. You could do it. And like I did a little beatboxing for the acapella. Oh, cool! Sounds fun. But yeah, I mean, in high school it was coming along. I was just very clueless, you know. <laughs> and then in college, my professor Harvey Price over there—I'll shout him out because I think he did a great job. And thank you, Harvey. Was he was Harvey. like, he was like, hey, get a clue. And I and I guess I did.
1: Yeah. 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 He was uh, not taking any slacking.
0: And- right. Totally lit a fire. He's a good guy. He's That's good what guy. the
1: jazz director at my school was, too, man.
0: Well, your jazz director was obviously the guy from Whiplash.
1: Yeah, well, Barbara kind of was like that. No, well, <laughs> I think he, so. He'd been there for like 30 something years at Booker T. He was there when, like, do you know Ray Hargrove? He's an incredible Yeah, in, sure, sure. Yeah, he's so he's he was there when he was there. Nora Jones, like, he just has been he'd been at that school forever. Nora
0: Jones went to your high school. That's insane.
1: That's insane, yeah. Dallas legend.
0: I didn't know she was from Dallas. That's cool. Let's do this. Let's do some jamming. Cool.
1: Okay. All right. So um, Welcome. Welcome back to the Frank Podcast. Yeah. What's the name of the podcast?
0: I'm thinking the Live Fusion Gigs Podcast because I think any of those words can be pivoted on and because I think they really uh, chalk up a lot to very much what I'm doing right now. Yeah, uh, true. And, and that's what centralizes all the people that I'm having on. These are DJs and entertainment company, people with entertainment companies, and and musicians, and people associated with the gigs that I get for the most part. Mm. Because I think, you know, for a bunch of reasons, that's a really interesting niche gig. But for a bunch of reasons, like, there's other satisfactions to be had out there too. I think you've expressed that as well. But we both also like... there's a lot of stuff. I was talking to you about... we I think we have a couple of days with Gaetano where we're at, at least... At least one offs where we're going to travel together again in 2023 and yeah. definitely one in 2024 as well. Cause he's been asking us for some dates that are way out. Right. Happy about that. I'm looking forward to 2023 scheduling. Like I expect a bunch of dates to start rolling in. Yeah. In this winter season, probably yeah. after the holidays, like January, February. Yeah. But I do have some gigs lined up for then too. Do you?
1: For January, February? Yeah. A couple. Not too much. Not too many right now. Which I'm kind of okay with. I'm planning on going on a couple trips to visit my brother in San Francisco, maybe go with Erica somewhere, do some stuff, maybe go to Puerto Rico and see my uncle over there or something. But
0: That's a great idea. We're going to Puerto Rico.
1: Let's, let's fucking go out there.
0: I'll go. Man. I do plan on going to the Grand Canyon again, going to Arizona. I have a friend out there.
1: I've never been to the Grand Canyon. You've never been? And I love Vegas, and that's Wild. close by very wild. And
0: then I was, I was thinking like I might pick up and go to Europe because I do have a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. In this sort of winter session.
1: That's a great idea, man. Now's the time, right?
0: Yeah. But uh as we look to 2023, you and I went on a 3-day tour that was like eventful and uneventful and and fun and we like had some trials and tribulations, and we yeah. had a good time, and we were just together for three days straight. Yeah. And that one came together almost entirely by coincidence. Of, totally. You got me on a gig, I got you on a gig, and then we both got booked on the Friday gig. Thank you for that, again.
1: I had a really good time. Thank you for that, too. That was, that was really fun, man. That was, it worked out so perfectly, honestly, doing the gig in Staten Island on Friday. It was just fucking weird because we were like, we have this gig in Delaware, On Sunday. Yeah. And then, and then it was like, okay, I don't know. I don't remember, but it was like, they didn't, we didn't know that we all had these gigs together until like afterwards or something like that, you know? And then we're talking and it's like, I have a gig in Staten Island on Friday. I'm like, me too. And then it's like, we're playing the same gig.
0: No, I knew. And I told you. And then a month later you were like, oh wait, you were like, oh wait, we're gigging the same, the same, all three days together. And I was like, yeah. I told you this and you went, "Oh man, that's crazy." <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, it's going to be a long weekend."
1: You're <laughs> like, "I'm driving this fool around." Dude, thank God you have a car too. A car needs a little love. We...
2: Yeah.
0: Car when I accelerate in the car over 50 miles an hour, it gets a little shaky. shaky. How many miles is on it? Over 110. Close so to 120. So get good out. But um so hopes for more yeah, like, we, multi-day gigs together. And I'm hoping to take this podcast on the road if we can make that happen. And and just so any listeners interested, if I go to a gig with you, you will be on the podcast.
1: <laughs> make sure you get to the gig extra early so you have like a good three hour window to be on the podcast. No,
0: no, no. I mean if we travel together to the gig. Oh, okay. You were on the podcast. So welcome. But do you, Alex? Do you have any goals for your music career or have you achieved any of your goals and you like realize it later or anything like that? Is there anything you want to do that you haven't done?
1: Yeah, I'll start with achieving goals. I've achieved a goal of being able to make a living just off of playing music and gigs.
0: So cool. So Thank cool. You.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then... I've achieved the goal of touring the United States with a band, original band, which is with Thank You Scientist. I did a tour like probably 2017 or 18 with this blues band called Harlem River Noise. Yeah, that was my first tour I had ever done. And that was like in the back of a Toyota Sienna, all four of us there in the car, and then we had all of our equipment there. It was just a four-piece and that was a really fun run. We were just crashing on people's couches on the floor, sometimes getting hotel rooms. How old were you at the time? Probably 23? Yeah, four? early 20s thing. Early 20s thing. I
0: used to crash on my friend's couch in my early 20s all the time. I just, still do from time yeah, to time. Yeah, just as
1: like a when you spend the night kind of yeah. thing. And, yeah, Down in Philly, yeah. Oh, word. Evan Campbell, shout out. Thanks. What's good, Evan? Um, yeah, so that's that was fun, man. That was a great experience. And then... I don't know. You know, it came to a point, I was just like, am I ever going to tour again? Like, I just had this thought, like, am I ever going to tour again? When, like, oh, during that tour, you were thinking? No, this, like, after, like... like, years later, maybe like, I mean, really like two years ago, I guess, you know, a whole pandemic. during COVID. A lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And okay. a little bit afterwards. And just being like, you know, am I ever going to tour again? Because I really love playing original music. And that's, like, where I get a lot of fulfillment from, man. Playing original music with other musicians. Absolutely. Like, just a community of looking, like, playing with people and creating stuff together. That, to me, makes me really happy. And I've been doing a lot of these entertainment gigs Mm -hmm. and private gigs, which is is really fun. And I'm grateful. But I had been feeling like, man, like, am I going to, you know, because I'm so busy with these, like, am I going to be able to have an original music thing again or something? And, I mean, I was doing Flamingos, too, which was that. And we were starting to really see ourselves grow. Flamingos is a brass band made up of some homies, if y'all know. But anyways, yeah, so we were... I think
0: you called them out before.
1: Yeah, so we were starting to grow. We were doing like little three-day runs, which is really sick. But it was it was kind of conflicting with a lot of the weddings and stuff like that I was doing right, too. Right, right. Because they would come last minute. So I was dealing with a lot of difficult choices. But anyways, I was like, am I going to ever tour again? And I wasn't sure if I was. And then my friend Joe, who plays trumpet in Civilians, when we went to college together, we've been friends for a long time, he called me, and he's like, the, the sax player in Thank You Scientists. quit the band, do you want to be the sax player? And he called me right after I was finished busing with Flamingos in the park. It was just like a random afternoon. I was like, uh, he's like, think think about it, bro. He's like, don't make your decision, just think about it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to think about it. I was like, what? And Thank You Scientists at this point, like, I'd already heard about them a bunch because of Joe being in the band. They've been a band for like 10 years at this point. Nine years and have a bunch of records out. They've toured all over the US, Europe, played a bunch of festivals.
0: Would you say, like, did you, were you listening to them at the time?
1: Not as much necessarily because I don't, I never really got into that style of music, which is kind of like progressive rock, metal, fusion. But, It's sick. It's great music. I don't know why. I just never really, like, you know, I was. I would hear Joe, like, because he would show me the albums that he played on, and I would be like, this is fucking sick. I can't believe you're in this band, kind of thing. It would be mind-blowing.
0: You listen to them now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Are you lying? No, I'm not. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to them a fuck ton because I had to learn the music, which right, is right, really difficult. Right. So I was listening to them all the time.
0: And then it's one of those things where like you learn the music you've listened to it you can't get it out of your head you play it it rocks each gig break and you return to it and you're like oh man this feels good
1: like it, was, yeah yeah for sure like after a tour we're, we're like take a few weeks off don't see each other and then we see each other and it's like oh yeah this is fun like i miss these songs or whatever like these are really good songs you know and i didn't have anything to do with writing them but anyways yeah he calls me he's like you want to be in the band and it was a really tough decision because like i said flamingos was kind of building and starting some stuff and then I, I remember was, that
0: time yeah. yeah i was also You're getting busy
1: with it. the gigs and stuff and but it was like this is a great opportunity because thank you Scientist is already a touring band i want to be touring and then i met the dudes in the band and everyone was like super cool and friendly and i just thought they were great vibes and and then i fucking loved the music you know so i don't yeah i did it joined the band and i've done two tours with them uh, around the country. One was opening and one was headlining. And then we have a tour coming up next summer that hasn't been announced yet.
0: And you went all the way around the country in three weeks?
1: Yeah, maybe like three Ooh. and a half.
0: That's a haul, huh?
1: Yeah, it's a lot. Did you get lot. to California? Yeah. Oh, my God. Down to Texas, Georgia, California, Seattle, back to New York.
0: Oh, my God. It's a lot. so six
1: weeks is gonna be a fucking (laughs) thank you no it's gonna be a lot bro but i'm excited man it's gonna be fun to be out on the road for you know but then that's six weeks that i'm not in new york where i'm like i've already had to decline a lot of work for those weeks because that's gonna be like june and july so Ah. everything is like the decisions you know decisions and but i think that that's the right decision and you know the people that i work with like if they like you know if they're like oh man well you're gonna be gone for this time so i can't use you or whatever like to the other months it's like okay like you know like i want people to be able to work with me and i want to be able to work with people we're all people yeah we all have to have like a, a strong relationship of trust and stuff like that and accountability and just being an understanding and being like i'm gonna go pursue this other passion which is a sim- it's the same within the same vein of course yeah But you know when I'm on a gig with you, like we're gonna have a great time. I'm gonna kill it. It's just a different type of thing. So
0: you've been in and out of describing like the freelance lifestyle, just to put a label on that, which is awesome. I think that the freelance lifestyle like is the musician lifestyle for the most part. Right? Yeah. Unless you're going and teaching your are in a steady job. And still, teachers are plenty of teachers are doing stuff on the side. Unless you're going and you you score the orchestra job or the pit job. Broadway or whatever, and you have the steady work that you have to be there for, yeah, but like you said, the guys that the guys that appreciate you're having extra musical experience and that you're as long as as long as you can be honest with them and generally up front and you know clear about your scheduling, yeah people love to have, you know, qualified, bona fide musicians in their work. It's a very valuable thing. And that's what you're Mm -hmm. doing. It's cool. Like you get to weave in and weave out and
1: yeah, the freelance lifestyle. A little bit. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it is awesome, but it's also a little bit stressful too. Sometimes not having that like stability or being in situations where you have to miss a gig or call out last minute or something. I mean, things come up like Thank You Scientist is a much more difficult and almost impossible gig for me to sub versus a wedding gig because no one can just jump in and play all the sax parts for Thank You Scientist right because it takes takes hours and hours to memorize all that music
0: right although I will say you have a magic about you at the wedding gigs
1: thank you and I'm not trying and you know (laughs) I appreciate that thanks Frank you you're you're very magical yourself thank you you know and it's not a matter of like yeah dude just discuss fine you know, if I hire someone to sub for me, like, I'm going to be confident that they can deliver. Right. But right. then also, you know, like some gigs, like, it's they're just different things, too. There's different levels to it. And it's just a much more difficult gig to sub out Thank You, Scientist versus a, a regular gig.
0: Who do you, um, who's on your sub list? Who do you call for the wedding stuff? Mario Castro, Brunell Jones. Brunell Jones? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've worked with Brunel. Yeah. Out in Montauk.
1: PJ. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's dope great young sax player he played I, with flamingos a few times too actually if i could get him to you know to talk to me that'd be cool i
0: definitely want to get mario if he'll
1: do it i think i think i'm sure they would i'm sure they both would and then connell thompson who's never available but he's one of my best friends and he's a sick fucking sax player he's okay. in, he's in ghana right now for like seven weeks playing, playing and just vibing out there he uh, plays in a lot of afrobeat the dream he'd like tours with like huge afrobeat artists like Wizkid kid and
0: afrobeat music in ghana
1: yeah that's incredible I know. For seven weeks he's out there and just gigging and hanging and meeting people and but honestly there's a bunch of guys that I would that I feel comfortable calling and stuff, you know.
0: It's interesting, like saxophone players no saxophone players. Drummers no drummers. You have to singers no singers. Yeah. It's, That's it's, how you're
1: gonna get the gigs. Yeah. Honestly, is knowing those people. It's funny too, I wanna shout out Linda Butacenio, who's a girl that I met or a woman I met at New School. She's a trumpet player. And singer, vocalist, composer, singer-songwriter from Venezuela, and she's incredible, incredible musician and in person. And she got me on my first wedding gig, which literally led me to everything.
0: Like, got you here today, cool.
1: I kind of want to talk about or just shout out like some people that were huge in influencing me at a young age. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. My dad, especially. I did, like, the audition when I was in fifth grade to play an instrument, and I sounded really good on the trombone. I killed it on the percussion, and then I played the sax, and I sounded like complete shit. But then my dad was like, you're going to play the sax? Really? Yeah, because he played the sax. Okay. And even though I really love the percussion and the drums, and I still do. So, screw you, dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. He, uh, you know, it was it was cool. I'm glad I played the sax, obviously. It's worked out. But, um, yeah, so he got me on that, and then, you know, he was just just really good about getting me to practice and stuff like that just taking it seriously you know so I was taking music seriously from a young age and he he got me with some good teachers too
0: I mean he was probably also correct me if I'm wrong he was probably also modeling some practice routine or like at least helping you and
1: no he was he was like my teacher when I started
0: I mean you knew that he was playing did you get to see him play a lot
1: yeah totally. yeah Yeah.
0: so that's tremendous you know like having just seeing it being exposed to it all the time cool
1: yeah cool he, cool yeah and then he connected me with Roy Allen who was like my, my classical saxophone teacher from middle school and high school mm-hmm. and he was teaching at Brookha- Brookhaven College and he was just like the best teacher where's Brookhaven it's in Dallas
0: oh okay i think it was a, a community in college New
1: York. it was a community college and now i think it's like a regular college or something uh-huh oh interesting
0: I think it's out east, actually. There's a Brookhaven on Long Island. Could be wrong.
1: So, yeah, he was just, he was, like, an amazing teacher, man. He would find things in my playing and point them out. And then Matt Sawyer was a big jazz teacher of mine um, growing up. Shelly Carroll, incredible jazz saxophonist and local saxophonist in Dallas. But he plays in the Duke Ellington Orchestra and a lot of other bands, like, all over the world. But he resides in Dallas, and he was really instrumental in me just performing and playing jazz, too, and seeing him around. And Brad lely at UNT, and just a lot of people, man. But... Yeah, for another day.
0: The goal, the big goal, just you know, you're kind of living it, right? I mean,
1: I would like to, like, you know, record my own music and also play with a band live, my own stuff, and you know, build a community of people that I do that with as well. Maybe cool. tour with my own band or something. You know, invest in a pro- invest in it, and you know, yeah, I
0: hear that. It's not
1: easy, right? <laughs> This was like this podcast. I think
0: might be the next step for me, and then whatever something will come after this. But it was interesting because I got laid off from my job selling sausage, which is not a joke. (laughs) To to anybody (laughs) listening that doesn't know, I was, and then I like took the weekend, like a little bit rocked, but also like uh, I knew I didn't want to be selling sausage forever. I knew I had fun doing music on the weekends, whatever
1: kind of gig I was getting. Badass sausage salesman. Oh, I was. Thank you. You were, but no. When you are, once you are, you always are. Okay. What did you say? Thank you. Yeah. And uh,
0: I took the weekend after I got that bad news, and on Monday I like played some music. I made a little recording for Instagram, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine was telling me he thought I should start a podcast for a while, mm-hmm. and then this just kind of clicked. I was like, oh, I should like try and interview all the people in the industry. And they can use their interviews to like sell their work, maybe sell my work and other musicians. And the people on this, we can try and like maybe build their profiles, ideally. And I'm just gonna try and go around as much as as often as possible, and just like be a little reporter. Yeah, a little long I think form that's great, reporter. Man.
1: I don't think this. Yeah, this industry doesn't really get talked about really. A lot of musicians that go to school don't realize that. I guess this is maybe a possibility and stuff. You know, I think I think there needs to be more awareness for this type of work within, within colleges and because every city has this, every Every city city has has, musicians that are playing weddings or events. I mean, probably not every city, but a lot of cities say more. And so I think there needs to be more like awareness about those opportunities and discussing them in music schools because music school doesn't lead you to having a life as a working musician. It just helps you maybe be an artist or something, kind of find your own, find what you're into and your own passions, but not necessarily how to make a living as a musician if you want to. Now, some people don't want to have a career as a musician, but just want to be an artist and then they want to work and they want to do another job so they can focus on their art and it doesn't get in the way, right? I know some musicians that are like, I'm not, I would never play a wedding. That, that, that's going to hinder my art. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to make music for money. I want to just make music when I want to make music and for art. Um, But then I was just like, this is great. Yeah. And then now look at us in the way where it's just like we're have a pretty busy calendar and stuff like that and just totally making a living off of it. So it's like, but there's not enough awareness about it, you know. But like I said, it's not this is not a gig for everybody. And you have to find things that you like about it. And you have to find things that are going to separate you from other people, I think. And in this industry that we're in, which is the fusion, I guess, because like the live band thing, Live wedding band is different than what we do with the DJ stuff. Mm-hmm. Live wedding band is more similar to what you learn in school and stuff like that, I guess. And it's it's it, those are great gigs, too, because you're just playing tunes. You're playing charts. You're learning, you're learning great horn lines off of, like, really good recordings. You know, Earth, Wind & Fire, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, like those really quintessential horn lines. And you're playing in a horn section as a sax player. You know, drummer, you're learning the hits. You're learning all the stuff, the grooves. But when you're doing the live DJ stuff, it really just requires more of you as an entertainer and as, like, a... Yeah, it's just somebody that is interesting or I don't really know. You know what I mean? That's an entertainer, I guess. Because the, yeah, I feel like, you know, in this this industry too, like it ranges in different levels a lot, you know? And there's some musicians that do it that like have an amazing persona and amazing energy or instrumentalists, whatever it might be. But their energy and their persona is so incredible and so, like, captivating that it's like, oh, yeah, of course I want that person at my wedding. They're going to liven it up.
0: I would just dis- disagree with what you said a little bit in that, to me, like, baseline, I got to not think I suck at the music part. Like, baseline, I got to feel
1: like I'm grooving and connecting with the music. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what's th- – so I think in this industry, there's a wide range of levels yeah whether it's level as an instrumentalist or a level as a performer, you know? Right, right, right. And right. I, and I think that like, you know, I think, me mean, you have both. Yeah, in a way. I agree. And I yeah. feel like when you have the ability to just vibe out and go with the music and make people be like, Oh shit, like he's playing something sick. But then like the next song go out there and like make people be like, yes, like hype people up at the same time. He's playing to me. Yeah. And like, you get, the sack, yeah. you get
0: the sax in their face, and he's like, This is for me. This is the girls are my
1: like, show. He was like,
0: That was my Carolyn Smith?
1: And I was like, No. No. But sure. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. No, but. Uh, and, so, and I just think it like eventually, like eventually people are aware of that. And then you just level up and level up and level up. Because just if you're an amazing performer without having like the music behind it, but like you said, this day and age with social media and stuff, you could take that shit as far as you want to
0: that's part of this podcast is that like, we want to elevate mm-hmm. everybody's talent, you know, and talk to some things that like, if you're new getting into this, and I I don't mean to dissuade anyone. Yeah. If you want to do this, I think you should, you should do whatever your heart desires. But yeah, but we like, you know, play in the like. I mean, uh, my teacher would have told us like, taking a gig for less money than you should cheapens it for
1: everybody, right? I think, well, what I was just, the point that I was making is like when people are in college or they come out of college, people that are in school, the teachers and stuff like that, that their background is maybe jazz and performing. Well, now they're a teacher. So they're able to subsidize their income. They're not just performing all the time. When I was in college, only one time in the whole time I was there, that was senior year at the new school. During like a senior class, that was literally directed towards making a living in a career as a musician we had to do like a three-year plan five-year plan ten-year plan Amazing. for this class but that was one that was one class i was in the three years of it in college well this, this person came and told us about that they performed at weddings and stuff like that and that that was a great way that they were able to make their income while also pursuing their creative endeavors as well writing music recording music playing with other musicians right because the weddings are on the weekend they give us the rest of the
0: week and if
1: true you know and it was just but it was just mind-blowing that like and then now that i'm in this field no one really talked about it before now like i said this isn't for everyone because well i mean i think i think it depends like the wedding band thing can be for a lot of musicians because you're literally you're playing the parts and you're like in a crew and it's like that's more of what we're used to as like a regular gig Mm mm-hmm the DJ hybrid thing isn't for everyone in the sense that like not everyone wants to be on the dance floor. Not everyone wants to be in front of people. Not everyone wants to be this kind of like center of attention type of thing. Right. And it takes a certain personality, but you all, you don't know, honestly, a lot of times if you have that, or if you like that, unless you do it. So you have to have, I think people that go into these programs and kind of discuss that this is actually, this is another outlet that you could have. It's not just about Broadway. It's not just about recording. It's not just about like making albums and touring. It's about finding these event gigs and performing in these groups and getting with like companies that hire these type of musicians because it pays well. Which is who
0: a long-term like college musicians, I think is who I really want to be hearing this podcast Hmm. as well as people in the industry. But that's the target audience to bring good new talent to what, you know, what this is in particular, you know,
1: I think Um, it's interesting, man, to think about, yeah, you know, going into the schools and maybe discussing some stuff like this wedding one one
0: Right. Because I hear, and at the same time, I know that there are musicians who scoff at it. Mm. Like this is what, totally. what you're doing. You're playing with the DJ. Oh, that's just practice.
1: Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, dude. I mean, and, oh, and how mm-hmm. really,
0: how many tracks have you played along to at home? Right. Well, yeah, it's not just practice. I mean, I've worked like I've played these Michael Jackson tunes note for note at home on my own so that when it comes time to show you what is going on on the drums, yeah, you know, and, and like you get your horn stabs down and you're highlighting.
1: Well, I think it's different. Like, like the, the wedding band versus the the fusion thing. I think they're different skill sets. Like, yes, I think it's, I don't know. I think it takes more studying to do the wedding band thing than it takes to do the live fusion thing. I would agree. Now, that doesn't mean, but then at the live fusion thing, you just have to have good ears. You have to be able to pick up things quickly, which has to do with all the practicing you put in the past. So the live fusion thing is kind of like a cumulative, like, boom, level of musicianship versus the wedding thing, where it's kind of like a class in the sense where you have to go and you have to learn and study these parts in this music.
0: Good ears. I would also add choices.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, you know, we always are dealing with different kinds of musicians that have maybe a different choice that we wouldn't have made, Mm -hmm. you know. It's interesting, though, too, because like everything in life, it just takes time to develop and get better. When I first started doing these gigs, man, four, five, six years ago, I I just didn't. I was like not good at going out in the crowd. I knew that's what they wanted me to do. Like I had the music stuff down. I could play with the DJ and like I was playing well, but I didn't have the crowd engagement thing going on yet. And I know, and then like, I always in the back of my head, I would be so anxious going to these gigs because in the back of my head, I'd be like, I'm going to tell me to go in. I know they're going to tell me to go on the dance floor. I know they're going to tell me to go on the dance floor. And instead of just fucking doing it, I was just like waiting for them to tell me and they'd be like, Hey man, you want to? And then I'd be like, yeah. And then I go in there and then I'd be like, that wasn't too bad. And then come back and lay low for like another, and be like, I know they want me to get back out there. <laughs> like literally this happened with a lot of people. And then eventually I was like, I don't ever want someone to tell me to get on the dance floor. And so then I just made sure that I would just be on the dance floor more because that's what they want (laughs) when they hire you, which I think, which I think there's a certain, I think there's a certain balance to it though, because I think some, some DJs or like people in the event industry, I think some people are way too intense about going on the dance floor. I think it, I think everything is about taste Mm. and, and feeling it out, you know? And I think like to some point you have to trust the musician in their discretion. But like I said earlier, in my career of doing this type of stuff, I needed someone to push me. But now it's like to the point where I think I can kind of feel out a vibe, and then like I, I don't need someone to be like, "Hey, yeah. do this." You know what I mean? And so, I'll uh, still get the nudge it's, sometimes. It's professional courtesy kind of thing, and I get it. Yeah.
0: From somebody booking me, they're like, "Hey, go do the thing."
1: Oh, and I'm well, like, you have a different thing I'm because like, oh, yeah. you have kind of a different thing because you're literally like in one thing, and now you have to pick up another instrument. Okay. And do a thing. I right. think for me, I'm always doing this thing, and then I either just move forward or backwards in a way. And so it's kind of, you know what I mean? Anyways, we'll, we'll have to do a part two on the, when we're on the road or something. It also helps, like, if, if there's a
0: sax player on the gig, it's so much easier to get out there. I'm sure you would agree if yeah. there's a drummer on the gig yeah. who's going out there.
1: When you're on a gig, dude, I just know there's no fucking problem, because we have each other's back the whole time. Oh, thank right? you. It's so, when you're on a gig, isn't it, do you feel it's easier? Yes. If I'm on a gig, if you're fun. on a gig. It's just more fun. I'm like, this yeah. is going to be fun. We're going to make it fun. I know who I'm
0: chilling with when I'm, when I'm off. I know who I'm getting in trouble with. To wrap this up with Alex Blade Silver, saxophone extraordinaire. How do people find you?
1: You can find me on my socials, Instagram, Alex Bladesilver. People, if they use Facebook, Alex Bladesilver. My website's Alex Bladesilver. Dot .com? com? Okay. And I think I have .NET as well. Oh, Both. Cool. And which is probably not necessary. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, I gotta. I suck with content. I suck with the socials. I'm going to get better at it. Hopefully when you hear this podcast, I'm already getting a little bit better at it. But it is what it is. Thank you. Well, this is content and
0: we'll go on the socials. That's true. Uh, This is
1: content. So I'm already doing better.
0: Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Shout
1: out to you, Frank, for having me on. I'm so glad. This has been a pleasure just hanging out with you today, jamming and eating Chipotle and just taking taking in miniola has been a, a vibe right and thank you to all the people that i continue to work with all the bands i'm in all my friends that are musicians and all the people that have helped rear me to this point um i'm grateful thank you excellent thanks thanks for listening to
0: the frank's percussion podcast if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and coworkers. Reach out to me on Instagram, at Frank's Percussion. I love you.